I, uh, I, I told a story on Tuesday. I, I'm going to tell it to you guys tonight. Um, I don't know how long ago this was. It was probably a couple years ago. I was journaling one morning, and I was just overwhelmed with the commission of the Holy Spirit to be in me and in us and with us forever. And um, so I was just thanking the Father, and I, I usually get up in the morning and just start a little bit with some thanksgiving. But I was particularly struck by what it must be like for the Holy Spirit to be in me and with me forever. Now, that's like a big assignment and the one Jesus was talking about there. And so I just was going through thinking, and when I got to, to uh, specifically addressing the Holy Spirit, I said, uh, wow, I just am really grateful that you, you took that commission to be in me and with me forever. I go, that, that just... I'm sorry that that was what you, that was what you drew, you know, in the redemptive process. And uh, seriously, it was the funnest thing that, that I felt like the Holy Spirit just kind of got a hold of my heart and said, and this was as close as I can represent it, the tone that I felt I was hearing in, inside. Well, we don't really think of you like that. You know, like a burden. We know who you are. And it's my honor to be in you and with you. Wow, it was really amazing. So I feel like I'm returning that honor a little bit in the stuff that I've discovered as we've been studying this for the last few weeks. And so um, I do have some review slides. They're going to be quicker tonight. But I do want to keep that context alive about how, how amazing, how deep, how instrumental the Holy Spirit has been in every aspect that we've looked at so far. So let's get started. Tonight we're going to look at, uh, uh, spend quite a bit of time in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And this just says, things which the eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. But for to us, God has revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. And So in our review situation, you remember that the Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the waters, and the result of that was the creation of a world that you and I fit in perfectly. It wasn't random. And one of the things I I remember thinking when when I saw how specific the Holy Spirit was as a role in creation to make the world fit us, that seems to me to be one of the energies behind other forms of thinking like evolution and stuff like that. And I'm not a a big panic guy over science or anything at all, but I almost got a sense that all of creation shouts out, I was made for you. And the enemy or the opposing argument to that tries to shout out, no, you're just an accident that happened because of the way things were made. And, and I think that is totally not true. And I think the Holy Spirit is, a, is a, uh, an active genius creatively in pointing out that this place was made so that you and God could walk together. And the same thing is true of the nation of Israel, and particularly the, the worship in the tabernacle. So in Exodus you know, Moses said to the sons of Israel, see the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uriah. And you guys remember what he was called to do. This Filled with the Spirit so that he could produce the place, the tabernacle, the place where God and man met together and literally, literally met together. Okay, so creation also did that. The Lord was speaking. We've learned that Jesus is the agent of creation, but the Holy Spirit was adding that energy, that hovering power the creative power, the releasing power, the life-sowing power, the fertilizing power, so that the highlight, and I've never thought about this before, because I've thought a lot about the Garden of Eden. I've seen lots of pictures and stuff like that about the tabernacle. But most of them, I've got to confess, they sort of hovered in the realm of Sunday school illustrations. You know, the, the, the lushness of the garden, or even some of uh, C.S. Lewis's uh, fictional material about um, 
encounters with God in the garden. But what I've realized as we've been looking at the Holy Spirit is the centerpiece, the highlight, the glory point of the Garden of Eden clearly was when God and man walked together in the cool of the evening. I don't care how green the grass was, or I don't care how fuzzy and, and sweet the animals were, and I don't care how sweet the water tasted, the highlight of the garden was when God and man got together. Because the fall characterized the loss of that. And again, I, I remember thinking at times that the garden kind of fell apart, and weeds started springing up, and you know, thorns on roses and all this kind of stuff. I'm not saying that that didn't come about as a result of the fall, but that wasn't, you know, the introduction of dandelions was not the big issue in the garden. <laughs> it was the loss of the fellowship between man and God. Same thing now here in the tabernacle. With all the glory that there was in the formation of Israel and all the lightning on top of Mount Sinai and all the other things that were going on, the real amazing issue was that pillar of fire and that pillar of cloud and then how that came into embodiment between the wings of the cherubim above the mercy seat. The thing that separated Israel from all the nations around them was God was there with them for real in tangible ways, ways that you could hear, see, touch, feel. And he demonstrated that union, that love with him. And um, I just think it's amazing. So anyway, the result was a nation built specifically in which man and God dwelt together. It became a place and a people to display the ways of the Lord. So we have the glory of the Lord being shown. We have the ways of the Lord being shown. Then we looked at the Holy Spirit and, and the Holy Spirit's role in the union, the literal physical Union of God and man in, in Jesus. And so, you know, we all know the story, but the birth of Jesus was as follows. When Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And uh, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which is translated God with us. Now, listen to the first part of verse 22 again. Now, all this took place to fulfill what? Okay. All this took place. Why did Jesus come? To be Emmanuel. To be Emmanuel. Now, I'm not saying that it's not an accurate answer to say, well, Jesus came to take away the sins of the world. Jesus came to die. He came to be the Lamb of God. That's all true. But the prophetic root of this, the prophetic foundation of this, is He came to be God with us. So, if you'll let it, these last little couple reviews, this created an eternal union where oneness actually happened between God and humanity. And I think this is the key to us understanding a little bit more about the Holy Spirit than, than I think we have a tendency to understand if we're primarily studying and thinking only in terms of gifts or only in terms of power or something like that. There is a prize to be had with the Holy Spirit, and that is oneness. Genuine, real, honest interaction with God. Okay, we looked about the Holy Spirit empowering and the proclamation of the kingdom and setting it about. So after Jesus was baptized, you know, he went out, uh, was led by the Spirit, confronted, uh, was confronted by Satan, kind of went back to that original place of the fall, stood strong, obeyed, came back out, and he returned in the power of the Spirit. Jesus was one of the first real examples of a human being who was anointed by the Holy Spirit, and that anointing remained, empowered every single act in his life, every day of his life. Um, so he came out in the power of the Spirit, news spread about him, he goes to Nazareth, and he gets the prophet, or the scroll of Isaiah handed to him that day in the synagogue, and he reads, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, and he sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. 
This scripture was fulfilled in their sight that day, and this is all under the supervision, the active anointing and supervision of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So, all of this is without anybody being baptized in the Spirit yet, except perhaps Jesus. It's without us considering a single gift, a single power, anything. All of this, the Holy Spirit is and has sown into life. The result was a visible clash of the kingdom rule of God and the enslaving domain of darkness, and it was the inevitable victory of the kingdom, which we are living in. (coughs) We're living in. And then our last review was that the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the exaltation of God. That was what happened on Pentecost. Suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them tongues as fire, distributing themselves and resting on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. They were glorifying God. People said everybody was hearing them glorify God in their own language. So again, we can think of that as just an event in history that started the church. We can think about it as an outpouring of of power, and certainly that would not be wrong to think about. Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power. So I'm not speaking against the normal ways we think, but I just don't want us to look at those normal ways and go, yep, 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 Holy Spirit, yep, power, yep, yes, and miss the fact that we're, we're literally talking about the interchange, the exchange, the encounter between God and man, engineered by God, fueled by God, revealed in the purposes of God. The Holy Spirit didn't escape heaven to come to us. Holy Spirit was sent to us. Sent by the Father, sent by Jesus, according to that dialogue in John 14 and 15. This is purposeful. It's not random. It's not accidental. And it's not just kind of a consequence of the flow of history. This is a revelation of the heart of God to be with us to be in union with us, in close union. So the result of this was the birth of the church, the sent and present body of Christ, the witness to Jesus and the glory of the Father. Now think about this. I've thought so many times about the Holy Spirit and how the Spirit relates to me individually. And I'm not saying that's wrong. But without having to consider me as an individual... That outpouring on Pentecost brought to life the body of Christ extended on this earth. That's amazing. It fulfilled truthfully what Jesus said, it's good for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit can come. It fulfilled the thing that said, when Jesus was standing in front of the temple teaching in John chapter 7, Uh, Come to me, all you who are thirsty, and drink. And out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. So the part that I get out of that, and the reason it's the last of the review section, is every time the Scripture reveals the Holy Spirit interacting with something, there is an outgushing of life. There's an outgushing of identity. There's an outgushing... I mean, think about creation. The Holy Spirit hovers over chaos and and the the surface of the waters, and then all of a sudden, specificity starts coming. Day and night. Animals, plants, trees, water separating and making land. The nation of Israel became who she was when God showed up in her midst. That's what set her apart from the other nations. It certainly wasn't their obedience. It wasn't necessarily their theology or their doctrine because they were growing all the time. Matter of fact, I uh, was reminded of this doing some study this week. The name Israel means one who contends. (laughs) So Israel is famous for being one who contends with God, not one who followed him and loved him. You know, it kind of sounds like us today a little bit. Anyway, The steady one in that partnership was the Holy Spirit. The steady one in that partnership was the very presence of God in the middle of Israel. And then you just keep on going down there. When men cooperate like Mary did in humility, amazing things happen. So anyway, the result was the birth of the church, 
the sent and present body of Christ and the witness of Jesus to the glory of the Father. So tonight, we're going to explore a little bit more of the whole scope of the Holy Spirit's work among us and in us. Now, I will confess that I can get lost in the uh, sort of the grandeur details, and I hope I don't do that tonight, and thereby, you know, whatever, uh, make this impossible. But I want to look closely at, at 1 Corinthians, and I want to set the stage before we go and talk about the specifics, before we talk about the gifts, before we talk about acts of power, before we talk about the, the gifts that lead to ministry and stuff like that in Romans and in 1 Corinthians um, 13, stuff like that, or 12. Um, so we're going to look at something, a couple of places where I think they're overlooked when talking about the Holy Spirit. And I think so partly because I overlooked them for a lot of my life and ministry. Uh, I, I overlooked them in my years as Pentecostal denomination and so on. So this is one of those areas that I see misread a lot, and it kind of illustrates what I mean about us just sort of, the Holy Spirit's so familiar that we overlook Him. We overlook the presence. So this is that passage where Paul talks a little bit earlier, and we'll get into it, but Paul talks a little bit earlier about saying, I, I only wanted to preach Jesus Christ, Him crucified. And then it goes on down that God became wisdom for us and so on. But things which eye has not seen, ears not heard, and which has not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love Him. Now, I can't tell you the number of times I've heard messages where this was the point of the message. That guys, no matter how hard you try, you're not going to be able to imagine what God has for you. Because He has things for you that are just beyond what you can imagine or think or ask or anything. You heard those messages? Yeah. That's not the point of this message. That's the point of the message. That's the point. For to us, God has revealed them by the Spirit. Everything that me as a preacher, and I have not preached too many of those messages because I saw this pretty early on, but every time that gets... That's the centerpiece of the message. You're missing the point. The point is all the things that God has planned for you that people can't see, that hasn't entered into the heart or mind of people, well, the Holy Spirit has revealed them and is revealing them to you and me. Again, we have a tendency to think pragmatically instead of relationally. And that causes us to miss the main point of this message. The main point is, there's nothing, nothing that the Father has in His heart for us that is being withheld. And I'll prove that to you in Scripture in just a minute. But there's nothing that He has for us. If we could... Okay, is this true, Lord? I'm going to say something, and it may not be right. So you guys can ridicule me if it's wrong. We could, if we will yield to the Holy Spirit, if we'll receive all that the Holy Spirit is able and wanting to do as far as revelation about what's in God's heart for you and me, we could create a situation where we would end up going to heaven, however that's going to work out, and we go, oh, yeah, seen all this, done all this, (laughs) know all this. I know that sounds creepy, like, you mean heaven's not going to be better than this? It's got to be. No, it will, I'm sure. But the point is, nothing has been withheld by revelation. It's given through the Spirit. This is what the Spirit brings. Everything. Let's look. John chapter 16. I have many more things to say to you. Remember Jesus talking to his disciples before kind of getting them ready for his crucifixion and stuff. They don't know that. But. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide, and I'll go back and look at that in a second, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has our mind. Therefore I said, he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. 
So this word odegio is guide, and it's a verb that means show the way. So the one thing I want you to get out of that is that the Holy Spirit has been sent to engage you and I in an ongoing process. It's not a matter of having a big spiritual experience and having everything downloaded instantaneously. It is a process. He is a guide. The Spirit is a guide, shows the way. Uh, One of the definitions in one of the lexicons I had I liked, it was assist in reaching a desired destination. So the destination is already a place on the horizon. The Holy Spirit knows it. It's in the Father's heart. It's confirmed by His purposes. We're built for it. Remember, the world, as it began to be created, all of a sudden came into clear and clear focus because it was made for man. The tabernacle was a lot of stuff going on, but it came into clear and clear focus because God wanted to be right there, just a few feet above the ground with His Shekinah presence with and speaking to the people. That's pretty impressive. Okay? God wanted to be with man, Emmanuel. I don't know what Isaiah thought Emmanuel might mean, but I'm betting you he didn't think it meant one man, two natures, God and humanity in union. This is bigger than we think. Yes, Ronnie. There's a scripture where Jesus says, I only speak what I hear the Father, or I speak what I hear the Father saying. Uh Uh-huh. In the middle of this, it says he, meaning the Holy Spirit in this case, will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Exactly the same so pattern of union and living. So whatever he hears, can we assume you think that's from the Father? I, I think so. I think that's what that last line means. All Jesus clarified it. All things that the Father has are mine. Now, this wasn't, this wasn't you and me saying, Oh, I've got, I've, I've got all things. Or all things belong, you know, no. That was Jesus saying that about his Father. He's not exaggerating. He's just telling the truth as it is. All means all to him. He wouldn't use that word otherwise. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and he will disclose it to you. Disclose this anagello. It's a verb, and it's a compound verb. Anna uh, is a preposition, and what that preposition does is it positions whatever it's talking about in the middle of a thing. So the Anna preposition positions it in the middle. Okay? And then agello One of the definitions was a transcendent power carrying mission or message. It's the word that we get angels from. It's the word and it's the reason we call angels messengers. But it means a power and a presence with a message and a mission in the middle. In the middle of what? In the middle of the ones that the message and the mission are for. What Jesus is saying when he says he's going to disclose this, the Holy Spirit's going to disclose this, is he's going to take of mine and he is going to get in the middle of you and you and you and you and you and and us. He's going to get in the middle of this world and he is going to release that message. He's going to release that mission. And then we learn from Peter's revelation on Pentecost where uh, you know the, what went on was challenged and they're drunk and all that stuff. He says, no, this is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel. And what Joel said is in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Not on all believers. On all flesh. So the middle that the Holy Spirit is getting in is humanity. And it's literally an extension of Emmanuel, God with us. And this is what I want us to see before we jump into the narrower focus, which is a valuable focus, but a narrower focus about 
the gifts, because it's easy to get lost in that. You know, it's easy to get lost in, in uh, boy, I, uh, I'd like to have the gift of healing or other kind of miraculous power gifts or something. And yes, 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 we should have those. He has those with us in our midst. But it's a bigger coming. It's a bigger presence than just the doling out of gifts. It's not like Santa coming down the chimney. It is like God moving in and filling up and releasing and creating life. So this, uh, this means to announce in detail, it's translated uh, in King James in several different ways, declare, rehearse, report, show, speak, and tell. And you can tell a word meaning by various ways it's translated in different translations because everybody sincerely is trying to do a good job. I don't always agree with everybody. All, you know, all the choices everybody makes. But when you see a word that's got a lot of that, you can tell the original meaning of that word was really broad. It touched it. So somebody would be sitting there thinking, trying to figure out a translation, and they say, well, does that mean to speak it? Yeah, yeah, that means that. Does that mean to show it? Yeah, that means that. Does that mean to actually hand it over to you, deliver it? Oh, yeah, it means that too. Does it mean to fill you with it? Oh, yeah, yeah, it would mean that too. That's the kind of word this is. In the midst, not from a distance, you know, if we could learn one thing out of this, if I could learn one thing out of this, don't allow, you know, catch myself when I'm thinking about the Holy Spirit being way out here someplace. No. He's in the midst. I mean, I could be as dull as a mud fence to, to the Spirit's presence, but He's here. My dullness doesn't abort His mission. My dullness doesn't re- revoke His sending. Matter of fact, when the guy came up and asked Jesus, what must we do to work the works of God? He didn't say, you need to be really sensitive. He didn't say, you need to be really smart. He didn't say, you need to be extra spiritual. He says, you need to believe in the one he sent. Now, that can clearly be applied to Jesus, but it can also clearly be applied, if we choose to, to the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit was sent just exactly like it. And I'll tell you, somebody else that was sent. Jesus, after the resurrection, breathed on his disciples, and he said, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. This is the reality that we're dealing with when we get the Holy Spirit. And that's why I wanted, before we jump in, and I'm going to dig into the gifts and stuff, I'm excited about it, and I'm, I'm trusting that the, the Spirit's going to be able to give gifts as he chooses in our midst, but I do not want to skip over what is really the foundation. This is God with us. By his own choosing, according to his own delight, according to the pattern which has been manifest in time and in space and in the cosmos every single time the Holy Spirit engaged with humanity, it created union with God. It created a place where God and man could meet together and walk and talk and live and be transformed. Holy Spirit is sent to take a position in the middle of humanity to guide us to the truth. So let's begin thinking relationally about Holy Spirit as opposed to transactionally or as opposed to exchange-wise. And I'm not saying there's no room for that, but you have... No, let me put it a better way. I don't believe that our imaginations can overstress the level of intimacy that the Holy Spirit already has with us. So I think we could envision long seasons of interaction, long seasons of talking. We could, inter- we could, we could, we could imagine that the Holy Spirit is with us in every kind of activity. Not just religious ones like this, which is not too religious, but it's kind of religious. But I mean, just simple acts in life. You know, putting Sterling to bed. Holy Spirit's there. Enjoying it. Interfacing with it. Letting the love of the Father and the Son find a place in that exchange, that action. Talking with your neighbors. Changing your bowling style, what I'm doing. I've actually had the Lord say, well, that was fun. 
<laughs> leaving the bowling alley. That was fun. I enjoyed that. Okay, that's cool. Now, I think that it, if somebody wanted to press me right at that moment, I know that I still have the capacity to crumble a little bit under the pressure and go, yeah, yeah, it was just probably my... But now, and with a little bit of distance from that attack, which never came, thank God, I think maybe I could hold up to it. I'd probably say, no, I think you're underestimating the fact that our God likes to experience his creation through us, not just as an observer from the infinite distance of a judge or something. I really think that's true. I really think it's true. So it's more than just gifts, but there are gifts. It's more than just power, but there is power. It's more than just ministry. But he is the source of all ministry. So, I want to go through, and what I put here before the particular, before we get into the individual gifts, so we're going to study those for sure, but because I want us to be refreshed in them. I just want to cover this chapter in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, because I think that it, it might help you see, because it has helped me see, how easy it is to gloss over the main work of the Holy Spirit for the particular works of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So, we'll just go through it. And when I came to you, this is Paul writing to the Corinthians, when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom proclaiming to you the testimony of God, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Now think about that. This is the Apostle Paul saying that. So, Try to put yourself in a position to honestly believe what he said, that as he was bringing the gospel to the Corinthians, there was vulnerability. You know, I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling, and my message and preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. So the thing I want to get out of this is, not at the very core of the declaration of the gospel by one of the people on this earth most anointed, most called, the thing that set it apart and made it what it was was a demonstration of the Spirit with him in power. And you guys know from Bible reading that Paul had a lot of interaction with the Spirit. The Spirit told him, don't go to this place, do go to Troas, uh, the Spirit stopped us. It seemed good uh, to us and the Holy Spirit to anoint. So more than any particular gifts, more than any particular things like that, the presence of God in the person of the Holy Spirit was just a daily dynamic in the life of the Apostle Paul. And like us, it overcame. Uh, that, that relationship overcame frailty. It overcame vulnerability. It empowered him to be who he is. So the Spirit was involved in that. Yet we do speak a wisdom among those, and I'm just going straight through the whole chapter. We do speak a wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So, we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. This is coming up on the verse we looked at a little bit ago where eye hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard, but he's revealed it by his Spirit. So I want you to keep the Spirit in mind. And then I don't normally just pull a single verse out to proof text it, but I want you to see something. So later in, in Corinthians, in chapter 14, where Paul's saying, boy, I, I want you to have spiritual gifts. Mostly I want you to prophesy because prophesy helps. But I want you to look at what he says speaking in tongues does. 1 Corinthians 14.2, the one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but his spirit, in his spirit, he speaks mysteries. Now, I'm not trying to undermine the straight teaching Paul did in 14, that when you're in an assembly like this, it's better to prophesy, uh, because everybody can understand, and you're doing it for the sake of the assembly. But you know, when Paul says, a man that speaks in tongues edifies himself, and I want you to edify the thing. But he said, I want you all to speak in tongues, and I speak in tongues more than you all. The core of the gospel 
is a mystery. Remember Paul in Colossians saying that this is the mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. What is happening when you and the Spirit are just cruising through a morning and you just decide, I'm going to speak in tongues for a while. And if you don't speak in tongues now, we'll get to that later, but I think most of us probably do in this room. What's happening? You don't know. What is being released in your life? What is being released in your spirit? Is it a wisdom, a hidden wisdom of God? Is it the revelation of Christ in you and in the people in your life? I don't know. I don't know. So last week, Jen asked if people would come up, uh, anybody you know, wanted an extra touch. So I did. And uh, she said, oh, you know, you're so humble. Uh, you know, there's a chance to get some prayer, and I'm, I'm into this. I'm, I'm into what the Holy Spirit's trying to offer us. So she prayed for me, and I didn't feel any uh, big mm, anything or didn't fall down or anything, which I'd been fine if I had, but I didn't. So I go home, and uh, I, I had a, kind of a busy, busy weekend last week. Um, I ended up teaching at another church, an online church down in the Springs. And so I had to spend a little bit of time preparing for that and stuff. But I got up in the morning, and I was just interacting with the Lord, and I started thinking about Jen's prayer, and I started thinking about the Holy Spirit. And then I started praying in tongues. And I'm just going to pray in tongues. And all of a sudden, I was just praying in tongues, and I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. I was sitting there by myself in the living room, just praying in tongues, praying in tongues. And I don't know really how to describe it, but if there was an immediate concrete answer to Jen saying, if you want an extra touch from the Holy Spirit, come up. Mine this week has been a vitality being breathed back into my prayer language and praying in tongues. And I don't know how to describe it, but what I'm saying is, we don't know. What can God do, you know, what did this have to do if that was what was happening over the surface of the waters by the Spirit, or if it was brooding or hovering or nursing, whatever, what did that have to do with the spectacular bursting out of light and darkness and trees and plants and animals and fish and birds? I don't know. What does the Holy Spirit's presence in your life have to do with a spectacular gushing forth of what you need and what God needs for you to have to be able to represent the kingdom the way he wants it represented? I don't know. But I know the pattern that's consistent from creation through the formation of Israel, through the creation of the Incarnation, through the birth of the church, is probably the same pattern that's going to exist today. And I experienced just a taste of it last week. I did have some real breakthrough in my little video studio work and my uh, feeling like a dork on camera and all that stuff. You know, there's a real healing, a real, what else? You know, I'm, I'm like a movie star now in my own mind. But uh, I, don't know. I don't know. But do you see what I'm saying? Let's not sell the presence of the Holy Spirit short of the Holy Spirit's own pattern throughout history, just because that pattern is now a part of my life or your life or our church. So, those mysteries, I think, are being shared with us by the Holy Spirit. Here's that passage, but just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered into the heart of man all that God has prepared for those who love him. But the point of this verse is, but for to us, God revealed them through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. Now, the Spirit is in you and with you forever. 
that same Spirit is the one here that is searching the very depths of God. You know why you can't search the depths of God on your own? Because He like lives in unapproachable light. You know, it's like a moth to a flame a little bit. We've got a, we've got a wattage problem between us and God. How did God determine to overcome that sense of incompatibility? God has revealed them by the Spirit. It's incredible. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. There's a verse that this brings to mind. It's in Luke, I think, Luke 18 or something. Jesus is kind of admonishing the people he's teaching at the time. And he he says something to this effect. He said, little little, uh, flock, the Father delights to give you the kingdom. But if you and I are facing a struggle in life, financial struggle, health struggle, doesn't matter what, need need wisdom, need a reconciliation relationships. How easy is it to be tempted into feeling like you're kind of alone and you're pulling something from God from a long way away? But that isn't the way things are. That's not the truth. The truth is this. The Spirit who is from God so that we may know things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Now, I don't know whether that's tongues. I don't know whether that's tongues and interpretation. I don't know whether that's specifically referring to prophetic words, words of knowledge, words of wisdom. Who cares? Who cares? It's the whole thing that the Holy Spirit always does. Make a place, make it out of gold with two angels over it, so that I can be with you and I can speak to you. That's what God does. That's what God has done. And that's what He is doing to the degree that we will simply reach out and believe in the Holy Spirit. Look at John. He will glorify me, for He will take of mine and disclose it to you. We looked at this earlier. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that He takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Here's what I want to declare with you, and I think it's true. Everything that the Father has for you and me in His heart, the Holy Spirit is commissioned to, desires to, and positioned to reveal to you. Reveal to me. Reveal to us. Everything. 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 There's no qualification for these things being withheld. The only thing that could be interpreted a qualification is that He is the one who is leading us towards a destination. And so if you think about redemption, and you think about sanctification, and you think about being edified, you think about these as the process that they must be because we are finite and we have to take things in in increments. That's the only limit. And it isn't really a limit. It's just a process. And the process is that everything the Father has in His heart for you is going to get to you. And it's going to come to you by virtue of the Holy Spirit. So, be open. Preceding that, Jesus said, you know, there's a lot that I'd like to talk to you about, but you can't bear it now. It doesn't mean you can't bear it tomorrow. Right? It just means now. And now is falling under the weight in the presence of the Holy Spirit as far as revelation of what God wants for us. I said last week, I think, I want our expectations to be unrealistic. That's because we draw most of our references for realism from our own life. And God doesn't have to do that. But a natural man, and here's where we get into the difference, 
A natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. That kind of speaks to what I just said. I want our expectations to be surreal. I want them to be extra natural, supernatural, unrealistic, okay? Because the natural man can't accept those things. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. I had a conversation with a person this week who was kind of frustrated at the way the idea of having the mind of Christ had been used as an accusation against them. Like, oh, you shouldn't worry about taking a job you you don't know what you're doing, or you shouldn't worry about this because you have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. Let me tell you something. It's not a static deposit. It's not like somewhere just out of the back of our consciousness, everything that Jesus knows has been deposited in our head. It's this relationship with the Holy Spirit who is taking everything that the Father has given Jesus and making it available to you as we walk down this thing. These things I've spoken to you while abiding with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Now, if I can take the liberty of believing that that promise and that work of the Holy Spirit is still going on in your life, even though you or I weren't one of the first disciples that Jesus spoke to on the earth, that is a stunning promise. He will lead you into all truth. He will teach you and he will bring to remembrance everything that Jesus said. And let me say something. John said, same guy that wrote this, the end of his book, he said, if everything that Jesus said and did were recorded, the world itself couldn't be that big. The Holy Spirit has access to every one of those syllables, every one of those works, every one of those memories. There is no situation you and I will face that God does not have an adequate resource for, an adequate response to, an adequate explanation of, an adequate blessing of. And that's what the Holy Spirit's commissioned to do in our lives. So, is it any wonder that Paul made this incredible declaration? For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, think of yourself as a person who can say with a renewal of commitment, a renewal of reality, a renewal of understanding right now, Holy Spirit, I'm yielding to you to be led. That's all. You don't know where he's going to take you, so you don't have to say yes or no to a certain destination. You don't know how he's going to use you, so you don't have to get nervous about what it might look like or how embarrassing it might be or how he might put you on the spot or anything like that. All you got to do is just say, I'm willing to be led by you. Every one of you and I can do that. Everyone. You guys. Everyone. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. How do you know God is your Father? You don't have to deduce it from the Scripture. You don't have to measure your life against somebody else's. You have God Himself, the Holy Spirit, whispering to you. You're a child. You're a son. Say Abba. Say Abba. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him so that we may also be glorified. We'll, we'll get into another set of scriptures, but there is a place uh, in John's writings that says, uh, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. And then Paul in Romans says that if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, confess that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you're going to be saved. Even the thing we call salvation is a central, presence-oriented release of revelation by the Holy Spirit. The sheer fact that you can say Jesus is Lord. We can either say, well, that's not what it really means because there's people that can say Jesus is Lord. And there's people, I know there's that parable where they say, oh, Lord, Lord. I, you know, okay. We can all argue that. Or we can just believe what it says. That we've never once uttered the words out of our mouth that had any connection whatsoever with our mind or our heart. 
Jesus is Lord. Where the Holy Spirit hasn't been making that happen with His presence. The Holy Spirit is the steward of our identity before He's the steward of our gifts. Any other thoughts or anything before we let the kids come out? They've already come out and explored a couple of times. Any thoughts, questions, experiences? Anybody online? Hey, Larry. Uh, Hey, Paul. Just wanted to say thank you for a timely message, encouraging message. It was kind of a challenging day, so I'm so glad I was able to tune in tonight. Uh, Interestingly, the Lord's had me in 1 Corinthians 2 the last two days, so when you got with this evening, it was a nice encouragement. Uh, I I did want to comment on one point you made. And it, um, that the Lord, you know, the Holy Spirit, the Lord is, is not withholding anything from us. That we don't have to wait for eye is not seen, ear is not heard until, you know, we're on the other side of this life. And, you know, even though there is the dynamic, of course, of, uh, you know, now we see in a mirror dimly and, you know, that kind of thing, that doesn't in any way preclude us from not just. Uh, opening our hearts to, but actually having an expectation for the Lord to continually be flowing and releasing, as as you pointed out, in a in a way that we can bear, that we can understand and receive as we as we as we go forward. And uh, boy, I just that, that's such a it's it's a it's a message that's not, I think, emphasized maybe. Well, it's just not, I don't think it is emphasized the way it should be in the, in the church at large. So thanks for, thanks for that and, and everything else. It, it, it makes me realize that, that we spend, we have a catch-up mindset rather than a being-led mindset. And that's why I want to emphasize that one word. He's going to guide us. He's going to lead us to a destination. He is, he is leading us to a destination. We're on that journey right now. We're on it. And just because, just because our finiteness keeps us from being able to see the whole horizon and over the edge of the horizon, that doesn't mean it's not real and it doesn't mean we're not going there. And it doesn't mean we don't have one who is leading us who is absolutely capable of getting us there. So. Amen. All right. God bless. All right. One quick one, Ronnie, and then we'll get the kids out. Can you bring up the prior slide? You did a summary statement at the very bottom. Holy Spirit is steward of our identity. Mm-hmm. So um, just a reminder for everyone that we may feel that the Holy Spirit can get us to do what the Holy Spirit wants to do, but I think that's not a valid way to think, that we, we really can't limit what God can do through us because God knows us so well. He could sneak in when we're not paying attention. That's really a good point. Or whatever. So it's the Holy Spirit's job to steward our identity. It's not necessarily ours. Yeah. So I think your summary there at the end is a really valuable one. Praise God, yeah. Yeah, we, we have limits, there's no question, but He knows. He knows us. 